Have you ever wondered what Jesus had to say about divorce or why it's so important to keep the marriage relationship guarded and strong? Also, why is it so significant to keep your word and what does the inability to keep your word say about your relationship with God? Chris and Murdoch try to tackle these questions and more on this episode of Your Church Friends. All right, welcome back to another episode of Your Church Friends podcast. I am Chris. I'm Murdoch. And we are here continuing on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We are still in chapter 5, heading our way through there almost to chapter 6. But it's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is coming here. He's preaching. He's teaching. And uh, from everything that we have in the Bible, this is the longest recorded continuous teaching of Jesus. That it is. And I mean, right out the gate, too. This is him just coming out of the wilderness with the temptation and everything. And this is his first public address or as is recorded in the gospel. So he's coming out. And by the end of this thing, I think we mentioned in a previous podcast, the people are just amazed at the authority that Jesus speaks with. And especially when we're looking at uh, last week and these weeks to come, he's kind of saying, hey, you've heard it said by the people in the past this. And he's referencing the Old Testament laws that were given from Moses and, you know, everything that's there. And he's coming, but I am telling you this. He's coming with a new authority and really making it stricter, making it more internal, really challenging uh, who we are on the inside that causes those external things to happen. And here we are looking at divorce this week. Uh, to touch on what you're saying there too, it's like he's he's not just going after what you do or, or what you are or who you are, but he's going after what you do. He, he's kind of attacking uh, not so much just the person in or outside, but our actions and what causes us to do those things, what's working inside of us and why are we doing this and why are we doing that? So yeah, now we're going to look at uh, divorce. So let yeah. me read those verses and then we'll get into it. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. This is totally off of my notes that I normally like to keep and everything. And I just saw this right now. I found it really interesting that uh, anyone, uh, he must get a certificate for divorce. And if he doesn't, he causes her, the way the wording there, he causes her to become an adulteress. I guess it's this selfish, if you're doing divorce or you're divorcing someone for the wrong reason, you've kind of caused someone to be to sin also with you. Yeah, so that's really just bringing in the seriousness of a covenant. And that's where today we're not just looking at divorce, right? We're going to get into oaths and vows as well. But especially this covenant of marriage, how sacred it is. That when we start getting into the Bible, it's like, this is a super serious thing, this institution that God created between man and woman, that if you're coming and you're trying to break that up through divorce, and especially improper divorce, other places, Jesus says, it's your own hardness of heart that causes this thing. It's like, yeah, you are causing this whole sin issue there that was never meant to be. And then when you get into remarriage and you know what it's saying there is that even that person's getting involved in this mess now. It's like we really need to get a clear focus on what this covenant is because Jesus pulls no punches. I mean, divorce is super serious. It's like he elevated the standard of what the people had of what how you could divorce and what's the reason for divorce and the cause of divorce. It's like when he comes in here and says all this, he's elevating the standard back up to where God wanted it to be to begin with. And it's kind of the same today, like Jesus elevated that standard. It seems like within life, it kind of went there, but now it's diminished again. Where like statistically, I think they say that 41% of all marriages end in divorce. In the Christian world, that uh, 37% of practicing Christians' uh, marriages end in divorce and 44% of non-practicing Christians, so the people who probably just say, I'm a Christian, but don't practice anything, their marriage ends in divorce. So I think it's just this call to like, like you're saying, the seriousness of it, the level of it, the standard of marriage needs to go back higher. It definitely does. And looking at when you're talking about that standard, uh, when you're talking about, you've heard it said, giving a certificate of divorce that goes back to Deuteronomy 24 and uh, saying, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. And she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and later that man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. 
or if the latter man dies, right? So it just keeps going, just like, oh, these men are just not liking this woman who they chose to marry. It's like, oh, yeah, let's get married. Uh, I actually don't like this about you, or mm-hmm. I tend to hate you now, or whatever. So get out of my house, you know? Right. And it's just like that law was given out of the hardness of men's hearts that, well, at least she has this certificate, right? It's not like she went and committed adultery and left and is just like that she's the one fully at fault. But still, these men are just breaking this covenant for what reason? For no real reason. They just, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm done with you. Yeah. And when you're looking at those numbers that you just gave, those statistics, over 40% of marriages ending in divorce, man, that is, it's sad because it's not a statistic. You know, it's like that is somebody's life. It's their love is for however long that marriage lasted, that initial wedding ceremony. And it's like, man, here we are coming together. And this is a lifelong vow that we're making. And then everything that goes through that to get to the point of breaking that. It's like, that's heartbreaking. And that's hard to go through. And people get hurt. And there's just so many different things at play. And it's one thing for us to look and be like, well, here's some verses from the Bible. And here's some statistics from, you know, the internet. But Anybody who's going through or has been through this, it's like, it's real. It's the reality of what it is. Yeah, we could look at statistics and numbers all day, but those statistics and numbers are real people. Those are real families. Those are real people whose lives have been hurt or or in some instances even destroyed because of this thing, divorce. And like you said, I liked how you put it together that they were just doing it because maybe they didn't like something or this and that about that. Because... Uh, when I looked at it, they said the number one reason why people get divorced is unmet expectations. So you yeah. put this expectation on someone, right? And I think it's that fantasy that we see from movies and the fairy tale, right? Uh, as being a little kid, you always a little girl always wants to find Prince Charming. Or a boy, you always want to find your princess. And the movies, they always end with what? And they lived happily ever after. And you, you get filled with these fantasies and these thoughts that I'm going to find the perfect person. I'm going to find the perfect someone and they're going to rescue me from whatever I'm feeling about myself. Any insecurities that I don't have that I have about myself or any uh, areas that I'm lacking. And you put these expectations on this person. And then the reality hits when you're living together and you're married and you have to make decisions together that this person isn't that. And it, it totally crushes all that. Man, you just hit so many things. I mean, unmet expectations. And then I'd say even within that, just the unspoken unmet unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. There's so many things just like you don't think that you need to tell the other person the thing. And it's just you have all these expectations and then they're not getting met. And then you feel disappointed because it feels like a slight against you. Because if this person loved you, surely they'd be doing this or they'd be this way or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, did you guys even talk about that? You are two different people. And even though you get along enough to get married, it's like you need to talk about stuff. Now you're living together. Now you're doing all this other stuff. Maybe there's kids involved. And it's like, and you need to keep having those conversations because life keeps changing. So expectations change. But you also brought up that you know, two broken people who are incomplete, if you're trying to have that other person complete you and like fill that emptiness or like maybe, you know, for you to figure out who you are. So this other person is supposed to do that. It's like, no, that's why you need the gospel and for God to come into your life and for you to find him as the life source so that you're not depending on somebody else who also needs God and trying to force them to you know to be god is like no 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 come alongside each other as people who both struggle through life but then also that thing of happily ever after i think that marriage can definitely be a happily ever after with a big asterisk of you need to work through the things in order to be happy with each other Mm -hmm. it doesn't just come from oh we just both get to be here and we get happiness for free it's like no happiness is earned through struggling together through talking together through you know picking each other up through uh, bearing the burdens and, and all of that stuff. Yeah, I think like even when they, like the vows there, you know, when you take those vows of till death do you part through sickness, through health, right? And we have these vows that are very like in our face and now people have gotten accustomed to like writing their own vows that are a little more fairy tailed. Um, but in those original vows, there's the concept of this is someone forever through difficulties and struggles. And that's, I think that's an, uh, an expectation that we go into marriage not even thinking that we have that like marriage is the problem or the next step and it's just kind of the next phase so we don't treat it with the seriousness that Jesus is putting on it here that like hey this is serious this is forever this is a commitment you and this person are to become one flesh locked together forever and always and then when we get into marriage then it's like 
oh no, like this isn't, this isn't what I thought it would be. Uh, before we started recording, I shared the story with you about me and Justine when we first got married. And when Justine was living with her parents' house, she liked to cook, but her dad just, he, he liked the plain food, whatever uh, her mom made, that's what he liked. He was, so even the times Justine cooked for him, he would always nitpick something, right, and complain about it. So she just stopped cooking there. But when we got married, it was something she wanted to do. She wanted to cook. So she cooked this wonderful dinner, and it I, I can't remember what it was. I think it was chicken, potatoes, and broccoli. I know the broccoli because that's specific for the story. But she like sauteed the broccoli up. She did put seasoning on it and made it really fancy high-end restaurant. And she put it on the plate. And I'm sitting there just going to town on it, eating it. And she goes, oh, you really like the broccoli, huh? And she was all excited, like face beaming. And me, in my like horribleness of a person and broken, like you said, a broken person, I just said, no, my parents always told me, make sure you eat everything on the plate. So I always eat the thing I like less or least than I do the other things like I'm going to eat what I don't like first so that way the last taste in my mouth is the thing I like totally crushed her totally rocked her that that whole she was disappointed she was sad um because she expected me to just eat it and be in love with it and I'm just a horrible person and totally diminished her in that moment of all of the horrible things you've told me that was probably not high up on the horrible scale (laughs) and of all the things you've told me compared to my scale you're always way way down there Mike you're actually a pretty good guy (laughs) Um, but yeah, and looking at those things, and I think that that's where even earlier on the Sermon on the Mount, right? Because Jesus is talking about, hey, don't break any of these laws. I'm not coming to abolish any of these. And he gets into anger and reconciliation and lust and all these different things. Because, hey, when your spouse comes and just starts deflating you in those ways and doing the things, uh, better believe anger and bitterness can creep in, right? And then from mm-hmm. anger and bitterness, and then there's somebody else who treats you nice, And all of a sudden you start getting eyes for that person and lust starts creeping in, you know? And it's just like all these things is just the issue of sin within you and that Jesus is really trying to get to that root and pull the root out so that we can live abundant lives of love that when you get married, that it's filled with love. Yes, there will be struggles in this life, but the love overcomes those things and that we learn how to love better, right? I won't mm-hmm. deflate my wife with my words, <laughs> but I'll learn how to build up and learn who she is even so that I can know how to do that better. You know, it really is a lessening of yourself to to pick up the other person and, and invest in there. It, it really is. I, I read somewhere, uh, I think it's Gary Rosenberg, he put in his book, um, A Good Marriage Can Be Brought Down in Two Years by Focusing focusing in on what you're not getting out of the relationship and how your partner fails to live up to your expectations. And that was a, even for personally, uh, for stuff that I've struggled with in our marriage of almost 13 years now, that was definitely something that I know hit me is that, like you were saying, when we kind of, the domino effect of what the Sermon on the Mount is, starting with that anger, unmet expectations, I get angry, resentful, and frustrated, boom, goes into the next one. I see someone or someone gives me more affection than what I'm getting at home. And all I can focus in on is the negative of what's happening at home. And that person, they become this light beacon of hope. But really, it's just, again, putting another unmet expectation on someone, right? And then that leads into adultery, which we talked about with lust. And now we're at this stage of divorce. And it's almost like this domino effect. And then when we get into an oath, you can't even keep your oath. You can't even say what you what you mean to say and fulfill it. It's this domino effect, but it is this kind of when you spend so much time looking at the negative, that is all you're going to see. The Bible is filled with reminding us of perspectives, right? Think these thoughts instead. Think of this instead of thinking that. Because when perspectively we get locked down to only seeing the faults, it goes into instead of just seeing the faults, I'm looking for the faults. I'm trying to find all those faults. And you know what just completely blows all of that up is that if you look at I made a covenant that I will love my spouse. Mm-hmm. There was no asterisk on that unless they do right. this or they become this way or I realize this. Right? That was the thing that we read in Deuteronomy. If you find some indecency, go ahead, give your certificate off the way. Jesus says, no. Actually, uh, in Matthew 19. Oh, I'm the, glad you're going to bring that up. I was just going to ask you, do you have that verse? Yeah, this gets uh, brought up again. The Pharisees came up to Jesus and tested him by asking Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? 
and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. And then they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus said to him, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And so I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So again, really holding that covenant up to the top because there is a spiritual, physical union that God is joining two people together and it is supposed to be a lifelong thing. And that when you get into the middle of that thing with divorce, you're taking apart what God has joined. You're going against God's will for these two people. And I don't know where you started with the question about getting into Matthew 19, <laughs> but like it just is like, no, stop it. I, I, I brought it up because I know Matthew 19, is uh, Jesus going deeper into this sentence because here on the Sermon on the Mount he he lays it out there this is what it is you know don't divorce unless this happened and Moses allowed this but that's what I really want to get into that why Moses allowed it because of your heart your nature it's you it was your flesh that you just wanted the what you said the unless I will love this person unless they do this right and that's what he's trying to eliminate from our lives because even when we think about it prospectively in our relationship with God we do that to him all the time. I love God unless I don't get my way. I love God unless life doesn't go the way I planned, unless I'm not fulfilled. And then to think that we now get married and get in a relationship and do the same thing to that person. I will love you unless you stop meeting my needs, unless you stop helping me. And it's such a, it's not a good thing for us as Christians to have, at least in our heart, that that is an escape out. You know, that's basically what it's looking at. I am looking for the escape um, and, and it's not. So we have like unmet expectations and those make us feel like we want to leave this person because they are, that's the unless part, right? I just think that and if anything you could do is just bring down your expectations a little bit and if your spouse or your significant other, if you're married, if you're single and Talk looking, about them at least. Yes. <laughs> and if you're single, like... Don't place them so crazy high that you think that this person you're going to marry is going to be your savior or or fix you. Like, that's not what a marriage is. A marriage is a partnership where yep. you become one. That was the other thing I like. You become one flesh. So it's no longer two people, um, but you become this one person working together to love God and show that reflection of Christ. Because really, at the end of the day, marriage is a reflection of Jesus's love to the church. Yeah, man. I think that we would all do well to think better of marriage and to anybody who's married looking at marriage or have been through a divorce to really meditate on these things and see you know what's led you to that point and really really look at how we look at marriage I would say that anybody who is married if things are good or if you're struggling it's like things will be better when you just start to make the decision to love your spouse more right because guaranteed I shouldn't say guaranteed. I know that in my own marriage, the things that I felt that I didn't like about my wife or what was going on is because she was responding to my nastiness. Like she was actually really patient. But when I'm a jerk for that long, it's like you can't just expect somebody to carry the whole load, you know, bear it all with ultimate patience and all the stuff. It's like, no, you reap what you sow. If you want niceness back, if you want love back, if you want respect back, plant those things into the marriage. I feel like a lot of people, people, times you'll get to divorce because you want out of a bad marriage and you want to go find a good relationship. It's like, why not just turn your marriage, your current marriage into a good relationship? Mm -hmm. Because it's fully possible. And I know that Jesus is saying here, hey, you know what? Divorce, like, yeah, that's okay if there's sexual, like, immorality, if there's adultery going on. But there have been people that have come through that and have really strong marriages. It doesn't mean that just because that happened, that you need to split. Mm-hmm. There's super strong marriages that you would never know that that kind of thing happened in their past because they chose to forgive, let go of the bitterness, let go of the past and strive into a better future for their marriage. Right. Personally, like for my marriage, we've been married 13 years. How long have you guys married? Uh, tomorrow it'll be 10, 10 years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thanks. Happy almost anniversary. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> like, what are we going to do? Uh... I don't know. No, I've got a couple of things planned, but we'll see what actually 
back to the point I was going to hit. A couple of days ago in, a, in our Kingdom Men Zoom thing, uh, uh, one of our friends brought up the idea that, you know, I've been open and vocal about, me and Justine have been open and vocal about our marriage and how far it almost got to being separated and divorced. And this is while I'm a pastor and this is while I'm leading people. Um, and uh, one of the guys, said he's struggling in his marriage and a friend of ours brought that up like, hey, just because you come from this background doesn't mean that that's why your marriage is falling apart. Like, you know, Chris was a good guy and his almost went that route. And then I was like, yeah, you know, no marriage is safe. It's not a background thing or anything like that. No marriage is safe if you if you focus so much on the negative side of things or unmet expectations or unfulfilled this or that. Um, again, Gary Rosenberger in his book, he has the marriage map and it's a guide from a good marriage to uh, to divorce. And he has the first thing is disappointment. The second thing is discouraged, discouragement. The next thing is distance. And then after that is disconnect. And then finally it's divorce. And knowing when my marriage started getting a little bit rocky, those were, that was exactly what happened. My disappointment, uh, I got discouraged. I drew distant. There was disconnect between us. And then we were faced with, uh, with a hard decision. But the reminder of these verses that what God has brought together, let no man separate, those is what kept hitting me in the back of my head. And so when I re, when we re-looked at everything and decided, you know what, we're working on our marriage, the first step I went to was I've got to love God first. Because I think in my disappointment with Justine was almost a reflection of my disappointment with where I was at and in my relationship with God. And once I started loving God first, it was seriously like the light switch and the flip and everything just changed perspectively. How much am I going to love my wife, my children? Then how can I love the people around me, my family? How can I love the people at the time I worked with? How can I love the church and serving God again? And it just all started making sense, but it started off with that one thing. So I, I would say if anyone listening to this is in a situation where your marriage is difficult, where you're going through a rough time, but if, if you're going through a rough time or even if you're not, the key thing I think to a successful marriage is that you, the individual, have to love God more than anything. Because when you love God more than anything, you feel his love, that love overflows out of you, and it starts at your home. Yeah, I agree. And I would say that when it comes to the point of divorce, one or both people have grown distant from God. I've never seen people who are really healthy in their relationship with God that their marriage, you know, starts falling apart. <laughs> and it's like you said, because when you're open to the love of God, his love starts flowing through you and it's working. You're working on your flaws rather than holding them secret. And, you know, and everything's out in the light, out in the open. And it's just a good spot to be. And yeah, if you're looking at your marriage isn't in a good spot on whatever spectrum, don't wait for it to get that bad before seeking help. Go get counseling. Trust yes. me, it's better to get counseling up front. Uh, even if you think that you have no problems right now, go and get counseling like even great sports people, they have a coach who is coaching them so that they can become better. It shouldn't be just about like, hey, let's not get bad. It's like, let's get better and better at this thing. And uh, you're only going to benefit from it. But also be be willing to face the truth in yourself and in your marriage. Because when the truth gets exposed and you can at least work with the truth and work from that point. And coming to God is good because God is a God of reconciliation. He is the God about bringing things back together and making it right. So, yeah. I kind of want to add in there real quick. It's like <laughs> your car. Your car needs a tune-up. It needs to get, you know, it could run perfectly fine. But if you keep running it and ignoring all the, the signs and the warnings that are flashing on the dashboard, your car is going to fall apart. And actually, it just because, like, pay attention to the warning sign. Because the warning sign, hey, take care of this before it's a problem. Yes. That light goes on, take care of it right now. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, it's going to become a problem. And it will start affecting other things. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so a good... it's, it's just like your car. You, it needs to get serviced every once in a while. And I think that's a really good point. Every once in a while, your marriage does need to get uh, checked in on, not by just the two of you. And maybe it could just be the two of you having conversations about where you're at, but also maybe seek a third party because I think that would help too. So uh, we're going to go into our first sponsorship. It is uh, if you have any problems with kind of doing like saying you're going to do something and not doing it, uh, this sponsor is going to be really really be able to help you out. So listen in. Babe, you didn't take out the trash like you promised. I'm sorry, honey. I really meant to, but I just got busy and forgot. You never do what you promise. You say you will do something and you don't. 
why can't your yes just be yes? Next time I swear by heaven that I won't let you down. I don't need you to swear by heaven. Next time take this. What's this? It's simply a patch to make sure you do what you say. How does it work? It's simple. You simply put the patch on the back of your neck and the truth chemicals release into your brain to make sure that if you said what you will do something you do. Wow, it can really be that simple and no more broken promises or oaths for me? Yes, and no more disappointment or unmet expectations for me. Our marriage is saved. I love you. I love you. Thank, Thank you, you Simply. Simply is the simple solution to keeping your oath. Hey church friends, it's Chris here giving you guys an update on what's going on. We are currently working on a brand new website. It's going to be Your Church Friends Rocks. That's right, Your Church Friends Rocks. That's yourchurchfriends.rocks. Rocks. There you'll find our latest videos from our YouTube channel, where you can watch the video, subscribe to the channel, click the like button, make a comment, or even share if you're enjoying what you're watching. Also, we'll have a list of all of our podcast episodes where you can go back and listen to all of them from the first episode to what we currently have out now. There, you'll also find a link to our online shop where you can purchase a t-shirt, maybe a coffee mug, or other accessories. So if you feel like supporting your church friends and helping us out with your generosity, just simply buy a shirt, coffee mug, or even a tote bag. We'll also have links to our Facebook group page where you can join and keep up to date with what's going on with your church friends. We also have our Instagram page, so if you follow that, you'll see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that me and Murdoch do. Alright everybody, let's get you back to that show. I heard it's a good one. All right, so that was a word from our sponsor, and if the conviction from these verses is hitting you pretty hard and you need some assistance, that uh, might be a good product for you, right? Yeah, help you uh, do what you need to do or say what you do what you need to say. Or is that the other way around? Do what you say? Yeah. I don't know. Words are hard. Let's just keep going. Yeah, we're going to do it. And I know that we were kind of wrapping up the section there on marriage moving into the oaths here. Um, but there was a scripture from Malachi 2 that was related to marriage that I wanted to bring up. And uh, it's 2.13 and following. And the prophet here is saying, here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. I know that at times people can feel that way even today, right? Like, God, where are you? Like, I'm just, I'm coming at you and coming at you. So as we keep going, it's like, as we're talking about marriage and even last week with lust, you know, maybe this is coming into play. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you've been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Again, really strong. It's not just mm-hmm. Jesus coming strong. Like God has always hated divorce and really bringing like, hey, are you trying to come at God with all of your requests and your offerings and your everything? was like, hey, he saw the vows that you made to your wife, and are you being unfaithful to that? And really hearkening back to what some of the topics from last week, it's like, remember, the lust of your eyes, Jesus is saying, you're coming under the same type of guilt as adultery, right? So as a husband, guard your heart, guard your eyes, remain faithful to your wife. I think we can say the same goes the other way, but uh, I think that that's there. And as we're looking at these vows, God isn't just saying, hey, Those are the only words that you need to stay faithful to is when you take a marriage vow. God wants us to be people of our word. So jumping back over to Matthew 5, uh, 33 and following, 
We're back with Jesus on the Servant on the Mount saying, Again, you have heard that it was said to the ancients, Do not break your oath, but fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I tell you not to swear at all, either by heaven for its God's throne, or by earth for its footstool, footstool, or by Jerusalem for its city of the great king. Nor should you swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more comes from the evil one. So that had to be like before uh, the hair dyeing club for men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you could change your hair color from black to white. Uh, I think now people are going uh, from black to white. Like that's a thing. People are dying. Anyways, I'm going to go on a tangent. Oaths, sticking to what you're saying. And I love that verse that you brought up in Malachi, that whole tying it into like keeping, do what you're saying, do what you said you were going to do following through and it does start off with marriage but then it does lead into our lives right we need to be people that simply jesus puts it like the there's no easier way to say that if you say yes it's yes if it's no it's no it's not even to the idea of like oh well maybe i think christians sometimes we get like caught up in the hey can you help me out with something or i'm going through this oh let me pray on that like our excuse out of kind of committing to one way or the other but jesus is telling us here like hey just say yes or no. You don't need to go through the whole hoopla. If you already know where you stand on the situation, say yes and then do it. If it's no, it's do it. You know what's great? This little phrase. You know what? Let me get back to you about that. Oh, that's a simple way of doing it too. Because you don't need to give someone the answer right then. It's like it's way better to give a little bit of a delay so that you can figure out is it a yes or is it a no rather than feeling pressures of the moment or whatever else is coming in and you're agreeing to something that you shouldn't or you're denying something that you should get involved in. It's like, hey, you know what? Let me get back to you. That's all it takes. Right. Rather than getting yourself involved in something. But it's like this generation or this world is just a, it's so much, it seems so much easier to just lie. And I think we kind of live in this, this culture that a white lie is okay. A little lie or not giving the entirety of a truth is okay. And Jesus, again, it's elevating the standards of what we're living comparatively. So that way that our lives are marked differently than what the world's lives are. And he's saying a white lie is still a lie. Half the truth isn't the truth. Uh, Not giving complete information is still not giving all the information like, hey, if you're going to do this, do this. I used to, um, I used to call out sick a lot when I worked. <laughs> um, but I would always make up an excuse. And uh, <laughs> are you sharing this podcast with the people that you used to work with? Yeah, the, no, the, yeah, he, he actually listens. Uh, John Live in Premier Packaging, a wonderful man listens, but I've been honest with a few things. So he knows what's going on with me. Uh, anyways, he, uh, but this is before I worked at that company, other companies, I was way worse at it where I would call in sick. And I would be like, oh, I've got the flu or, I've, you know, do the whole voice thing because nowadays you could just text your boss that you're not coming in, which is so much easier. You don't have to fake the, <clears throat> I'm not feeling too good <coughs> type thing, right? So they think you sound sick. You, <laughs> you, your daughter is listening to us as we record and I just feel like I'm being a horrible example right now. Um, no, no, this is how you used to be, This right? is how I used to be. Um, anyways... <laughs> Uh, so I would fake the whole thing and then you show up the next day and they're like, oh, are you feeling better? And you have to kind of continue the act. So one lie turns into a bigger lie, turns into a bigger lie, even to the point where I like at some point the the company was like, hey, you need to get a doctor's note. So I would drive down to my doctor's office. Yeah, I'm not feeling good. Can you give me a note? He'd give me a note. So now I've got the doctor lying with me. And it was all just because really at that time and I didn't know what was going on with me personally, uh, with what I struggle with, with depression and anxiety, I needed a mental day. And so I just needed that break to like recuperate, but I would create this elaborate lie around that and get other people lying with me. And one day now going into the future, I'm married and I'm getting ready to do this. And I'm like, I'm just going to tell them, well, even worse, I discovered that if you tell someone your stomach is sick, like your stomach's bothering you, they don't even question anymore. You don't even need a doctor's note because the stomach bug could be 24 hours and be gone and all that other stuff anyways so i'm getting ready to send this my stomach hurts blah 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 message to uh my job and justine tells me why not just be honest like you're not going to focus there you're not going to be good just be completely honest and i was like that won't work (laughs) you know the truth isn't going to work but i was like you know what it's convicting enough my wife is coming at me like that i should do it so i text hey i need a mental day just not feeling it and they were totally fine with it. They would even like the next day, the guy I worked with was like, 
hey, if you need a mental day, go ahead and take it. Your mental health is uh, just as important as your physical health. And I was like, what? When did the truth work? But this is what Jesus is coming at us with. That like, be honest with who you are. Don't lie. Don't manipulate. Don't try to deceive things to like go into whatever thing and be it, go for your favor. <laughs> Since when did the truth work? And no, as you were talking, like that's really what was coming to mind because we want to come up with these lies or find ways of breaking our promises and stuff, right? To get out of things, to get ourselves into in our mind a more comfortable situation to get what we want without having to go through the problems that require that or to get something that we want that we wouldn't have been able to have otherwise right so it's just like all of these internal nastiness that's like driving this thing rather than living by the truth and living by the truth right right instead of constructing like you're saying well a little lie turns into a bigger lie you're getting other people involved you're creating a false reality and inviting other people into that reality is like, no, God is a God of truth. And that when we start participating in with lies and all of this stuff, it's like we're making ourselves enemies to him, which is a weird way of thinking about, well, I just wanted to skip out on work, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but what that's doing within society, because trust is like the bedrock of relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's marital or whether it's friendship or whether it's colleagues or whatever, it's just like trust. And you know what breaks trust? Lies. Mm -hmm. So you're really like coming against everything good when you start lying to people and breaking those oaths. Right. And I think it, it's really Jesus is hitting the nail on on uh, our character. Mm -hmm. that it's all about our character here. And I did like how you even tied it in together with uh, with marriage because it does kind of it's weird that it only makes sense that Jesus is doing this, that he he kind of goes in this rhythmic flow. And so divorce what's causing it to happen is this but really the all of that is just your oath doing what you said you're going to do and coming at it that way and, and you don't have to pretend to be something you're not like just be who you are and the truth should come out of you if the truth is living in you the truth comes out of you and i think for christians that's a good gut check right if god is living in me then i've got to be truthful with what i'm doing and sometimes my truth hurts as far as like i have to share the truth about something maybe I'm going through or struggling with, but it's easier for us to share that truth and deal with those issues than hold on to them and keep doing them. And then just, it's character. Be a good person. If you said you're going to help somebody, help somebody. If you said you're going to do something, do something. Go through it. Complete it. Uh, if you don't think you're capable of doing it, you're not a bad person if you say no. Like, just say no. There have been plenty of things I've said no to because I don't think I'm going to do it. So just be that way, but make sure what we do lines up with what we've said. Mm -hmm. And if they don't line up, then this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying your character just needs to be checked up on. Kind of like we talked about with marriage, right? Every once in a while, the car needs a checkup. Every once in a while, even like your marriage needs a checkup. Every once in a while, you need a checkup to see if what you're doing is following suit. Yeah, and it's an interesting thing because you're saying like those white lies and the little things that maybe you're doing it to be polite or maybe you know you, you said something and the time got away and different things and just like those things can accumulate that to really sit and have an integrity check and look at what lies have I told or have I been living under or like you know the, the different stuff and really check those things and then you're faced with the thing of well now I need to go and correct that right mm -hmm. it's not a thing to just be aware of it but then you need to go and correct it and like that's a hard thing because sometimes you can't just fix stuff. Right. You know, sometimes you go and you're like, hey, my bad, sorry about this, that, and whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, kind of thanks for the apology, but it's now beyond the time that that's useful. Mm -hmm. And things can get really hard. So much comes from breaking your word that it's way better just to be truthful. Even if you said like, I can't do it, it's way better to just excuse yeah. yourself than to just have other people and responsibilities depending on. And uh, so... Kind of how Jesus keeps referencing back to stuff, right? So in Numbers 30, right at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1, it says, Then Moses said to the heads of the tribes of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word. He must do everything he's promised. And it's like, that's an extra safeguard on top of something, right? It's like, hey, I really want to make sure you're going to follow through on your word. Like, okay, well, I, I swear to the Lord, I swear to God, I'll do it, right? Mm -hmm. And this full and coming in the commandment, you 
better follow through because God, God, you just involved God in this thing. You better follow through. And Jesus is saying, just be a person of character. That Hey, are you going to do this? Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> like right. That's all it takes. He's saying anything more than that comes from the evil one. Like the fact that we need to hold each other to these higher standards rather than just living in the realm of trust. I I looked at it too the in the same way and then that term anything more than that is of the evil one is basically telling me that uh, when I say I'm going to do something it goes beyond actually just being able being truthful to the person I said it to but it's also obedience to God like in that moment I have now if I'm a reflection in a in a person who calls myself a Christian that when I say I'm going to do something I need to make sure I do it and it's not because I'm doing it for them but it's in this like my character needs to reflect God. And when it doesn't, then I'm in a sense kind of uh, not being obedient to what God has before me. Even in my relationship with God, like this idea of oath, when I when I told God, I want you to come into my life, that has to be more than just like, I want you to come into my life so I could get to heaven. But it wants to, it has to be, I want you to come into my life so that way I can be a changed person for your purpose and your glory. And a lot of times we can say, God, I want you in my life but I don't want to be fully obedient to you. I don't want to keep the things I'm saying or that you're saying here because they're a little too difficult. So in that sense, we've also then already broken our oath with God. And we've already started down that road of like, hey, this is this is too difficult or looking for, it's the same thing in marriage. We look for, that we talked about, looking for that excuse or that out if things get too difficult or too too hard instead of saying, this is where I'm at. I am. This is where I'm putting my flag down, and this is where I'll stand. And I think for today's age, the truth needs to be a harder stance for us as Christians and fulfilling, simply saying yes, simply saying no, because it is a reflection of God. People are constantly looking at us to see, like, are we going to have that characteristics of God? And I know it's hard. Personally, I know it's hard. You've In this podcast alone, you've heard two horrible examples of me being a bad person who lies and is a total jerk to his wife. Was. Was. Well, well, I don't know. She might, say, she might say differently. <laughs> uh, but it's the correction, the constant working of letting the Holy Spirit move things out and not giving up on my relationship with God because it's too hard. Not saying I'm not going to follow your commands because it's too hard, but saying help me get there. Uh, learning to submit to those things that even I may or may not agree with. Because my oath and my word are all I have really to stand on. And I really did like that you had that all tied up together that you have heard it said and then went back to, what was it, numbers? Yeah. Uh, Of, you know, like if you swear to God, then they'll do it. Like the fact that people had to hold people to that accountability and it wasn't just a simple yes, that alone. And this is God's people. God's talking to his chosen nation, Israel at that time, saying that like, you know, you have to make these commands and then they have to fulfill the word and it couldn't just be a simple yes like that to me is jesus saying no you've got to stop the character has to be that important that when you say something you do it so i'm in a conundrum because when you talk you hit so many good points that in a conversation i want to jump in and address the thing because you're triggering so many different things in my mind but then if i stop you then i don't get to hear the other things so it's just a succession of you saying things and me wanting to respond and then me not able to respond until you stop. But then it's good because it keeps being, it's, yeah, <laughs> I'm sitting here and then I'm like, wait, what was the thing like two minutes ago that you said that I wanted to respond to? And I'm just left with in agreeance that, yeah, you said some good stuff there. <clears throat> um I think it's the problem as uh, both of us are kind of uh, speaking pastors that uh, at some point, even when we record this, we kind of get caught up in that, oh, no, I'm preaching now moment instead of <laughs> We start preaching yeah, to each we other. we start preaching to each other. Uh, I know that you made a joke about it earlier about like, oh, no, well, we can dye our hair, right? Mm-hmm. But that's kind of when Jesus says, oh, you're like washing the outside of a cup and not the inside. You're changing the outside. It's like you're changing the appearance, but not the nature. Like you can go in there with hair dye, but as that hair keeps growing out, guess what? It's still a white hair. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't actually change the thing. And I think that that's really the point. It was just like, what power do we truly have? Like, by your power, we can't even change a hair on our head. How are we going to get God involved and do all this extra? It's like, oh, no. What are you saying? By heaven, by earth, by the holy city. It's like, dude, just are you able to do it? The thing that's within your control. Can mm-hmm. you go and do that? Right. I think that we touched on a few things even involving that. You know, there's our own 
evil temptations within that are we going to miss out on an opportunity you know is there fear getting involved that, oh if i don't if i can't take advantage is there something that it if we lie then we can you know achieve more through that lie or are we going to avoid punishment with a lie or you know like you know whatever those things are um or is it just even from a good-hearted place that hey you know what i'm not realizing that in a vacuum i could definitely do that thing mm-hmm. but i don't live in a vacuum and i'm so overwhelmed that now I'm not going to be able to follow through on my word because I've agreed to 18 of those things and I can only handle three. And, you know, just all of these things that it really takes for me a, how you said, God's within you. So if you get squeezed by the pressures of life, God should be coming out. So if the spirit of truth is in you, truth should be coming out. Like we need to be so tapped into that spirit that we will be more patient and more slow to respond and more aware of ourselves and the circumstances that, okay, here comes the pressure. It's the pressure to succeed, to avoid punishment, to just be nice to people. And like, you know, whatever is just like, what's going to come out. And it does come down to that connection with God. And you even think about like the people who say yes to everything. And it's the pressure of, I don't want to let others down, you know, and that itself is, is a big problem that some of us have is that, I'll tell everyone yes because I don't want to disappoint them. Um, but what you're doing is causing so much turmoil in your own life because, like we said, if you're not taking that honest gut check and just saying, like, I can't do that, um, then you're putting so much pressure on yourself. But it is the simplicity of it all. And I love that Jesus brought it down to that simplicity of just say yes. And if it's yes, do it. And if it's no, don't. And it's just committing those things to that. And it's the truth. Yeah, when you when you brought up, I just remember one of the things from before, before, and it's um, kind of like our oaths to God, right? How many of us have been in the situation, oh God, if you could just do this, I swear, yep. right? We start making these oaths to God and following through. It's like, if you could just get me out of the situation, I swear I'll never do this again. And it's like, did you really not do that again? Because man, I've been guilty of that not just making the oath, but breaking the Mm -hmm. oath. And it's like, that is a horrible spot to be. Right. And it's like, God isn't looking for all of that extra. Yeah. He's looking for true repentance and he's looking for that. But it's like, it's like we're trying to convince God of something. He's like, dude, he knows, (laughs) like he knows who you are and all of that stuff. And, um, it, it, that reminds me of, um, uh, the, the Bible verse, uh, I require obedience, not sacrifice. Right. So when we say, God, if you just give me this, I'll do this. In, in that sense, we're kind of making a sacrifice to him. But all of it, it, it comes down to it. God just wants our obedience. He doesn't want our words that our soul just filled up with air and nothing. He wants us to just do it and how much easier it is. And again, just if you say yes, do it. If you say no, don't. But with God, if you commit to him, if you want him in your life, you got to have all of him in your life. It can't just be a portion. It can't just be a chunk. It can't just be what you like. Um, it has to be all of him. And if it's not, then just be just be no. And and it's a hard truth. It's such the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been going through a few books. The Sermon on the Mount is something we're going through right now in Matthew. But together we've been doing Philippians. And we just got done doing James. And there are some hard truths in those things of character, perspective, mind view. But if you're committed to Christ, you've got to complete the the mission and the task. And that's why I like what Paul always said, you know, I finished the race. He started it. And even when the race got too hard, like I go running and sometimes my knees hurt, my side hurts or my hips hurt because I'm old and falling apart. But I run the time I want to run. Um, If I stop in between any time in that, like I feel like a failure, you know. Um, and that's what Paul was saying here, that I started the race and I saw it to the end, no matter how hard it hurt, no matter the pain it caused, I saw it through to the end. And that's really when I think of com- keeping your word, that's what it boils down to. I start and I finish. It may be hard. It may be difficult. But what is God looking for? Is he looking for us to just say things or is he looking for us to do the thing? Yeah, it just brought to mind, Jesus actually tells a story one time where he's like, hey, there's a father and he's got two sons and he asks something and the one son says, yeah, I'll do that. And then never does it. And then the other son says no, but then ends up doing it. He's like, which one did the will of the father? The one who actually followed through and completed the thing, right? It doesn't matter mm-hmm. what you say in the beginning. It's did you follow through? Right. So yeah, hey, if you're yes or you're no, whatever it is, follow through. 
And I don't really have too much more to add unless you say something else that triggers something in me. (laughs) But I did want to point out that the one who is faithful in all things, who never breaks his word, is God. Right. So that really Jesus says, hey, take me on as a teacher, and I'm going to teach you this humble way. Like we're supposed to learn from God. We're supposed to learn who we are through his word and through applying it, right? So I think that one of the best ways of learning to keep our word is to go to the promises that God has made and like test him on it, like see that he is faithful. Because a lot of those promises require something on our part too. It's not that we can just go, hey, God, you said you'd do this, right? It's like, yeah, but it requires a change of character in you in order for me to work that thing. So I think that when we go to God, see that he's faithful and we only see that he's faithful and we're actually being obedient to him and having that happen, then we're able to turn around and do that with people that when we now know what it looks like to follow through on something and for someone to keep their word. And the more that we do that with God, I feel like the more we'll do that with other people. Because I know I come from a history of just like, dude, I lied about everything. I was so manipulative that I created so many lies and I lived in such a world of lies that they became true to me. I told them so many times that I just kept telling these lies to people for no reason. They weren't earning me anything. I would literally just bring something up because to me it had become part of who I was. And it's just like, I was a person made of lies. And it was even a hard thing that after I came to Christ, like I had such a false history that I had to catch myself and go, wait, 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 don't tell that person that thing. That thing's not true. (laughs) And I had to unwork and unravel all of the lies that were in my life. And I really found that like it was the truth of God working in me that created truth coming Mm -hmm. out of me. And so again, whether you're at a bad spot in your marriage and you need to go to God for that, or if you're a bad spot that just like, dude, you're breaking like, you know, oaths and everything left and right. It's like, God will work the proper thing in you because who I am today versus when I came back to Christ 10, 11 years ago, completely different. Mm -hmm. And if he could do it for me, he will do it for you. Yeah. I think we're going to end on that one. I I got nothing. And if I do, I'll probably keep this conversation going a lot longer. Um, So I think that will be it for this podcast. I am Chris. I'm Myrtle. We are your church friends. Thanks for listening.